so just recently, one of on a pretty quiet weekend, I had to actually sit down and watch Netflix because I was bored as anything. But I was bored because I'd had a pretty hectic last two months. So basically, I needed something that was going to keep me distracted for 12 hours. And of course, the only thing to do was to turn to a series marathon. And the option was none other than The Good Wife. My sister tells me I'm outdated with it, but nonetheless, I watched it. So I basically watched it in hours and hours of this. And I think that this is the reason why when I thought about my guests that are coming in today, I kept thinking, um, as I scrolled through the Global Shapers website, I kept thinking this could make a pretty good series as well. The 19 members are all young, smart, and dynamic. While they excel outside the firm, as I'm going to call you guys, <laughs> they also bring their own individual expertise along into um, changing the African narrative. Global Shapers Johannesburg Hub will be the official host of the Shape Africa, an annual regional conference, which is an initiative of the World Economic Forum. I have two members of the 19 member team. Katie Nguenya is the outgoing curator of the World Economic Forum Global Shapers community in Johannesburg and the MD of School Media, which I thought is a really amazing initiative. And Liz Letualo is a management consultant at McKenzie and the founder of digital of the Digital Demand Hair Services Good Hair, which of course, I'm a girl, so I'm excited about it. <laughs> this is Africa State of Mind. My name is Lika Sumba, and we, as always, are speaking to guests who are changing the narrative, the African narrative. So, guys, I'm so happy to have you here. Cool. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you so much Thanks. for being here. Just off air, we were talking quite a lot, um, Liz, with regards to your whole food experience um, in the rest of the continent. Yeah. What's your favorite like food that you never thought you would actually enjoy? Um, I think fried yams. I love fried yams from yeah. Ghana. We had them on the side of the street in Ghana, and they were they were fresh, so yeah. they were freshly fried, nice and warm. Yeah, that was really nice. Um, I can't think of anything else that I'd say I crave on a day to day besides fried yams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you kept it safe. You kept it with the plants because you're like, yo, I'm not having the weird meat because I don't know. No, I'm not having. Th- that's actually weird meat. yeah. I'm not re- having fufu. I'm not having injera. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> and Katie, what about you? Uh, I'm local, so Malam Khodu for yeah. me and oh, the, nice. the head. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's for me. Do you notice how I said, oh, nice, because I'm trying to act. And then meanwhile, in my mind, I'm like, Leslie, I'm going through like all the languages. In my head, I'm like, wait, 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 what is that? <laughs> you, uh, so it's tripe. Um, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, not nice for me. I, don't, nice I can't have tripe. No, 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 I can't have tripe at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Tribe with mala is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pop with the cow's head. Uh, oh, nice this is getting deep. <laughs> <laughs> there goes my breakfast. <laughs> but I think it's so fascinating, um, you know, just to even open up on that because I think that as Africans, our food is one thing that really makes us unique. And, sure. you know, even when you spoke about tripe, I know that in so many different African countries, tripe is like the thing. I mean, I still have to, you know, let people know that I am actually African because I don't enjoy tribe, but it is quite a big thing. But now I want to get into the background a bit of both of you. I want to know where you grew up and how it is that you both got into working with Global Shapers because I think that's phenomenal. I think it's amazing. Good. Um, so <laughs> I grew up in uh, Alberton. Yes. And I moved to Johannesburg about, uh, well, Johannesburg when I say um, Johannesburg uh, suburbs. like. Yes. The northern suburbs. I moved there about three years ago, so um, I then uh, didn't have many friends around, as well as I hadn't been to school because I ran a business. Oh um, wow! So I met up with the global shapers community because it's young people that are doing um, various things and that have a seat at the table that actually can uh, help to change policies and implement 
uh, various things across the continent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I joined to meet uh, a, a network of people. And yeah, so that's that's on my side, I guess. Yeah. Well. I think that's so fascinating. Sorry, Katie, just to pick up on you saying that you hadn't been to school because sure. a, a lot of people wouldn't. Like, what's the backstory to that? And because a lot of people wouldn't imagine that if you hadn't been to school that you'd end up being part of Global Shapers. Um, sure. So when I say school, I did finish matric. Okay. Um, you mean you, like high, sec- high education? education yeah. yeah. So I didn't do high education because mm-hmm. I've always just enjoyed um, selling. Uh, mm-hmm. entrepreneur. I was, I've always been an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, so in school, I was selling various things, sunglasses, anything oh, wow. I could get my hands on. Yeah. And when I left school, I knew that's what I wanted to do because uh, I didn't want to go study because after that, I'm going to have to look for a job anyway. So yeah. I just decided to create my own job and I can yeah. decide on what my salary becomes. Be, yeah. And yeah. everything you work for is for yourself. Everything I'd work for is for myself. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, with that being said, um, the people that I met... I, after school was just people that I was working with um, okay. and it's always been uh, on a business term. Uh-huh. Um, so it's never been, I never w- was in a university or a college where I could gather and have friends from, from university. Oh, so okay. Global Shapers gives me that side of things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's so it's nice uh, being around young dynamic people and I'm sure you'll hear from Liz just now. <laughs> yeah. I can the tell you guys probably have a very, I can tell who is the, the talker <laughs> <laughs> with the entire global sh- shapers community <laughs> in Johannesburg. Don't worry, Kitty, your secret is safe. Yeah. <laughs> Liz, and what, what's your background? So, um, I'm actually an industrial engineer by background. I studied wow. industrial engineering at the University of Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a co-founder of a very exciting initiative for black women mm. called Good Hair Solutions, mm. which basically does people's hair in the comfort of their home. Mm. I'm really excited about it. I co-founded it with my very dear friends, Sharon Ogwang from Uganda. <gasps> You're joking. Yes, oh, you now, now I know why but, we get on. <laughs> now was, I know. But was born in Kenya, yeah, yeah. raised in South Africa. Typical uh, African story. <laughs> of course, yeah. as well as I'm Sandisi Wayengen, who's also yes. a very uh, bright-minded um, friend of mine. Um, I'm also actually a student that Studying law um, wow. um, at the University of South Africa, yeah. which which takes most of my time. Uh. But I think being part of the Global Shapers for me is one of the highlights of of, of, of my past year. I've yeah. been part of the Global Shapers for yeah. shortly um, less than um, a year. Yeah. But it's been very exciting meeting people like Kheti, meeting people like um, amazing young people in the in the hub. Yeah. Because all of them are so diverse. I think the most interesting thing and the most beautiful thing about the hub is that. It's so diverse in terms of the skills, in terms of background. Yeah. I, I met journalists, I met mm. entrepreneurs, I met people who didn't necessarily have to go to school to be where they are today. Mm. And that really is sort of like a very humbling experience to mm. go through to realize actually uh, to realize that actually there's no one way to do. To, to, there's no one way to anything. There's a lot we yeah. need to learn about <coughs> education and what it means and mm. how to. Um, be successful as an individual in, in today's world. Okay, so first of all, apologies, it's Kheti. <laughs> you should have, you're, so, you're such a gentleman, you're just like, let me say your name wrong. No, so, Kheti. I, Do you get that a lot? I People get say that a lot. Okay. I get different pronunciations, Keith, Kitty. <laughs> so you respond to everything. So, yeah, I know. Okay, so now let's talk about Global Shapers. What exactly um, is that and how did you guys end up working with, you know, being involved? Is it like something that you get paid for? Is it something that you get nominated into what is it sure so i wish we got paid for what we do <laughs> uh, but the the work is rewarding itself yeah. so it's global shapers is, is a community of young people across the world mm-hmm. um 
divided in hubs well uh, in hubs that's our structure so it's called a hub so mm. in a hub you can have 10 to 50 shapers um, in each hub and it's filled with like Liz was saying uh, earlier dynamic various young people mm. um, that are in various industries uh, whether it's politics whether it's business who are in their early 20s mm. uh, that are doing groundbreaking stuff so it's basically to we, we then in, in our hubs come up with projects that can help within our cities whatever we feel um, our city needs mm. um, like we've got various math shapers programs or we have meet the leader sessions where we bring in um executives of different organizations and engage on different um, issues that affect our everyday lives Mm -hmm. as young people and just get a feeling from them predictions where do they see um, various sectors education or it could be mining where do they see it in a few years and how can young people get involved in that and Mm -hmm. so it's basically uh, yeah that's kind of the the kind of initiatives that we we do. And then how long do you guys, um, I don't know if I should say, serve at the Global Shapers for, you know, is there like a, is it something that's rotational uh, each year or is it something that you are part of? Because it kind so, of, it, yeah. it kind of feels like a, this is the best and it's maybe the best or the worst analogy. You know, in the States, how they have like sororities and then if you're forever part of this clique, then you leave and then when, wherever it is that you go, that you're always going to meet somebody who's going to be like, huh, oh, I know yeah. this person from, is it that sort of thing? Sure. I think it's that sort of thing. So you see that because um, the World Economic Forum has the global shapers in the YGLs mm. um, and the YGLs would be sort of like the sister um, organization um, of the um, um, Global Shapers. Mm. So there's always this network because it's got different hubs across the world. Um, I mean, four hubs, about four hubs in South Africa, mm-hmm. Johannesburg, Pretoria, Cape Town, and Durban, I think. Um, so mm. we're also in yeah. mm-hmm. hubs. So everywhere you go, you literally have a Global Shaper. Oh, nice. And I think even beyond um, your years of serving as a Global Shaper, you leave. There's always that sense of um, connectedness. If you go to mm. a social media and you search for hashtag ShaperLove, you will see so many Shapers across the the world saying, oh, I met a shaper today when I was in oh, Singapore. Nice. I met a shaper. So that sense of community is so amazing yeah. to, 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 to be mm. a part of. And um, just answering your question on um, how long one can serve, I think seven um, the, years. The, it's seven years and the age limit is 30 years of age. Mm-hmm. So particularly focusing on young people who mm. are in their youth, really, mm. um, unlike some organizations that are youth focused. I mean, we really could, yeah, have, that's have <laughs> they're not youth people. <laughs> She's like sidebarring people. <laughs> Side eye, side eye. Mm. I just had to say it. Yeah. So now let's talk about just, um, you know, obviously with the World Economic Forum, um, and you guys can choose to answer and not answer or not answer the question. For the longest time, you know, I think a lot of Africans do feel that when it comes to global organizations, you know, they, Africa gets the bad end of the, you know, the bad end of it. So it's either the bad end of the representation or a lot of, you know, Africa's problems can be traced back to some of the policies that are being made around the world. You know, if we keep it on a policy and economic level so when you look at production of resources and you know where they are produced should i say sure. um, after where they are manufactured after they're taken out of africa for example and those sort of things and and the fact that you know if african countries take loads this is the amount of money that they pay back with a ridiculous amount of interest or whatever the case may be for you guys as 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 young africans part of global shapers you know and you know which is affiliated with the world economic forum how do you go about tackling your african side but then also making sure that you're still you know kind of working according to the wef policy if that makes sense sure so i guess um through the conferences that we host like the one that we one uh, to host um shape africa Mm. it's uh, i mean our theme there it's a tale of two cities and 
basically we wanted to tackle inequality um mm. and but how uh, through technology so it's basically saying how can africa because we already know like you're saying production is held globally mm. and there's certain there's a lot of policies that affect us in mm. africa but it's what can we do now as as youth um using technology to advantage mm. um to actually um change that the inequality um yeah. to reduce inequality okay and okay. i think just to add on what Kheti is saying um on your question of um, Africa's role in, in, in the global forums that we, we normally have, normally seeing the role of um, the beggar or be seeing the role of, you know, the secondary um, sort of like person around the table. I think there's there's, there's um, understanding, I think, that the time is up and the time for us to lead is now. Mm. And the reason I say this is because um, when you look at young people like ourselves who are not being paid to do what we do, it's purely out of passion, it's purely out out of a sense of servitude to our country and to our continent. And I think when you don't pay me to do anything, when you don't necessarily put food in my mouth, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. easier for me to stand for what is right. Mm -hmm. And I think for WEF to have such an initiative, it means um, they're open to mm -hmm. actually having young people come up to the table and say, this is my views, this is how I think we should partner with Africa and not necessarily just uh, play the funding role mm -hmm. to Africa. And I think the conversations that we are starting to have in the forum that we have, um, Africa being one of them are starting to be very honest because I think more radical people in the world are actually the youth yeah. and I think we are the ones that are mostly unfiltered and uncensored mm -hmm. and I think when uh, when an organization partners with the youth they're showing um, a level of openness towards having a more honest discussion um, will it be 100% perfect today I can't really say but I think mm -hmm. it's a good first step to, to walk towards yeah mm -hmm. I mean I think I heard an interesting stat I'm trying to even remember where I heard it but something along the lines that by 20, I think it's 2050, one in four people in the world will be of African heritage. That's a lot of people, you know. Um, mm. And then also when you look at the amount of young people within mm. Africa, I think it's quite, you know, it's quite, what I like about this initiative is the fact that, you know, Africa is made up predominantly of young people. So it's good to have young people in quote unquote leadership positions helping shape people's minds and make sure. different decisions. So now when, when you guys look at um, what's going on, um, say continentally in terms of leadership in, in Africa, what are your thoughts around that? What do you feel needs to change the most? I mean, like just now in Sierra Leone, I think they've just had their run of elections and then the, the, the person who actually won, um, after the run of elections, he won because the young people actually went out to the polls mm. because they're the ones, they're like, we want economic change, we want a hope for our country, we want, you know, better medical services. But in general, this is a trend we're kind of seeing around the continent. Yeah, I think I think the answer somewhat lies in, in your question itself, um, mm. the, the power of the youth and what happens really in the continent when the youth actually start standing up and, and start um, engaging. I think um, what we've seen in the past was that the youth was a bit removed from politics and mm. we thought politics is a sport for old people. And I think the moment we're starting to see more young people, we're seeing uh, certain political mm. parties with young leaders. I think that also inspires mm. the youth to, th to say, um, I'm not too young to engage. Mm. I think... The moment we involve the youth, you see a dynamic side that perhaps um, the old people, with all due respect, might not always have. And the energy mm. that we have to go to the street and protest, mm. that is sort of like the energy that only the youth can bring to the mm. table. Of course, I'm not saying we should do away with our more experienced elders. I think mm. a balanced economy is, is, is and a balanced leadership um, team is always one that is always going to really thrive because all sides of the table are really considered. Um, for example, if you look at entrepreneurship today, 
today at the mm-hmm. forefront of it in startups is actually the youth. Yeah. And that is where the world is starting to move today. We started to see big corporations um, struggle a little because you started to see more powerful, smaller entities nice, come through. Yeah. I think with that change in the world, governments really mm. need to adapt as well mm. and accommodate the youth or perhaps not even accommodate, accept mm. that they cannot thrive without involving the youth. Yeah. And now, Kheta, you, you know, earlier on in the conversation, we spoke about how you had, you know, you had finished matric, but you hadn't done tertiary education and you were more into the entrepreneurial side. And just to pick up off something that Liz said, you know, um, you know, and we, there have been a lot of conversations around the fact that there isn't, you know, our school systems do not prepare young people to be entrepreneurs. It's not, it's not something that's being done. You know, that we still have the model of go to school, get an education, get a job, which is not necessarily bad to get the skill sets, but also the reality is that we need to be able to create these jobs. Job so what are your thoughts around that with regards to education? Because you're definitely one of those examples that look, this, this entrepreneur, entrepreneurship journey, it actually works, but yeah. perhaps maybe, you know, some parents would want their kids to actually go through the formalized education. But what are your thoughts around that? Sure. So, I mean, you, generally, I wanted to leave school mm. after grade nine uh, <laughs> because I didn't see, you know, uh, and, and the reality is that you can leave school after mm. grade nine, but in South Africa, mm. but you then see you called a dropout mm. if you if you do that and it's not necessary. So it's already a bad perception. Mm. Um, so I guess um, there needs to be a lot of, campaigning around that and mm. and the and the term the the terms of what is an actual dropout mm. and when you can finish school and people should be aware that you can actually leave school at grade nine and not only start a business or you can go work mm. uh, and get start getting experience mm. because anyway when you finish school i mean um even when i employ staff the last person i employed i looked at I didn't look at what they studied, mm. to be honest with you. Mm. I looked at where they've worked and what they've done mm. um, because they, then I know they can deal, they can represent the business. Mm. So it's basically, um, yeah, so it's basically getting the right, the people with the right skills, like, uh, again, um, and, uh, yeah, so I think I believe in experience, mm. in working experience mm. uh, more than anything else. So, and like you're saying, higher education isn't the only route to yeah. to go through. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it's, it works. I don't I, I don't think it'll work for everyone. Everyone, yeah. everyone, and it's not a entrepreneurship is not a nice road. And I don't, all, yeah, and I don't know you, lit- you literally have to be like ready for it all yeah. around, psychologically, emotionally. emotionally. And I don't wish it on any. <laughs> not even my if I have children, I wouldn't wish for them to be entrepreneurs because it's a tough. It's a, it's not an easy road to go through, yeah. And uh, it's a lot of stress and a lot yeah. of pressure. But again, with that being said, it's only entrepreneurs that are going to break the barriers, um, yeah. even with our governments, um, yeah. because there's so much tech- technology that's happening. Uh, and like I was saying, with dig- with the digital systems, I mean, mm. it's it's really bridging the gap. Mm. And I think technology will help a lot in Africa to to develop Africa yeah. and with young people being so digital savvy and learning. Mm how to code by themselves, you know, learning to speak that language. I guess if we also can push skills towards that, you know, mm. driving people, Africans into those skills, because we, we will be a working uh, force. I mean, a yeah. lot of, in a few, in about five to 10 years, mm. um, there'll be a lot of youth. I mean, currently in South Africa, there's 26.6 million youth. Wow. Um, and there's a population of 50 million at average. That's, that's from more than Stats half, SA, yeah. yeah. And they're, under the, they're all under the age of 24. So, wow. I mean, in the next five sure. years, those are our Local. leaders. Well, yeah. it's, yeah. 
Sure. And now let's talk, talking about digital, I can now get onto the good hair. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this initiative, Liz. Um, you know, because obviously like, okay, a guy will never understand, but a woman's hair is such a personal, it's really, really like a personal journey. It's like you normally would go to the hair person that you always know, you know, and sometimes it's somebody just around the corner, like in the hood or something, because you, you know, it's like you have to be with somebody who you're used to them doing your hair and all of that stuff. So how do you bring a personal touch to good hair? So that's a very interesting question um, because what we try to do is to say the reason why Good Hair was founded um, was because we want women to feel comfortable with their with, with their hairstylist. But at the same time, we respect and understand the fact that the relationship and the chemistry between a hairstylist and their client mm. is very important. So what we do initially is to try to post as much as we can of the pictures of the work that our stylists have done um, that firstly tackles the issue of trust and confidence to mm. say, can I trust you to give me a good hair? Mm. And then once I've tr- given you a try, um, can I really maintain that relationship? So sometimes when people make bookings, um, they will add a comment to say, can I please have Anna, for mm. instance, because I really liked how she did my hair. And that's really us uh, trying to understand and respect um, uh, sort of like the wishes of our clients. But I think even more importantly, and the one thing that I've seen most women appreciate about the venture is the fact that oh my gosh, I don't have to go through the struggles. Mm. The struggle of having to wake up and say, which salon am I going to today? Yeah. Um, commute and and people th- keeping an appointment at the hair salon. Yes, you make an appointment no, and then they're like... There's no appointments. And oh you get there, there's two people ahead of you. You yeah. don't know how long it's going to take. So yeah. all of those nuances, but also like small things that, that we adhere to. And with all due respect to hair, hair salons, this is not something that always happens with every salon. But sometimes hygiene uh, hygiene is, is also an issue. Yeah. I'm sure one or two people might have experienced a salon where you look at the comb and you're like, is this coming onto my head? Mm. But because it's not your space, you don't feel empowered enough to speak See, up yeah. and say, sorry, can you just please clean that? I yeah. don't know why actually women don't like speaking up or yeah. maybe we're so scared to speak well, up. Well, I think it's with African women, you're just really taught to just be, it's just the over it. politeness. Yeah, yeah. Take yeah. it and be grateful, right? Yeah. So when a woman or when a stylist comes to your home to do your hair, this is your space. You're the mm. boss, right? Mm. And that is one of the few things that we, that, that other people find liberating to say, actually, this is my house. I can say can i take a bathroom break Mm. you know but when you're in a salon it's like pulling of hair and rush and even touching to feel the progress is a Mm. thing have you have you ever gotten your hand slapped because you're touching (laughs) to me (laughs) where they're like what's going on you feel scared to look into the mirror like you know you look you feel scared to look into the mirror because you just want to be like because i know i've been there before when i have to corner my head that i'm like I'll, I'll be specific about the size i want and the woman's doing it i'm like oh gosh and i'm like sorry that's not the size i asked for i explained for this picture and you feel so bad and then the whole salon is like <gasps> yes. and it's like how dare she the next thing you know that your hair is being pulled and then it's just downhill your experience is downhill from there you know yeah, yeah. absolutely so what the venture really does is wow. to um, <laughs> is like wow, yeah, it's tough yes, being. Yes, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> so what the venture really does in some is to combine the politics of hair and mm. innovation. I think it's something that yeah. we haven't really done for ourselves as African women. Mm. And I'm starting to see more African women ventures come out. Mm. You know, skincare products, um, hair care products. Mm. You know, and I think it's it's a very exciting time yeah. to be alive, isn't it? You know what I love about this though? I think it's like uh, what I I love so many things about it because I'm a 
Katie's like, no, 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 no. It's like, it's fine. Um, you know, what I, I love, so I, I love the idea of the name Good Hair, you know, um, before I get onto it. But just talk to us about that because obviously, you know, growing up a lot, you know, with, with um, African, if you're like an African girl or something like that or black, whatever the case may be. And it's like, if your hair is like kind of stiff, like I know in Ghana, like my, my Ghanaian <laughs> friends say I have slave hair. Like yeah. not me, but yeah. they, some of them, they'll, re, re, you know, talk, to, uh, talk about their hair as slave hair, yeah. which is quite funny because it's like my one friend, she goes, man, my hair is just that slave hair. It's just like, you know, and it's like we don't realize how we're talking about like ourselves, yourself, yeah. you know, and so good hair is seen as that kind of hair that's like, yeah. Like wind blows through it. Yeah. It's like no, it wind cannot blow through my hair. It's not, and <laughs> yeah. it's not going to float. It's and like, it's okay. Fly. And it's okay. <laughs> right. So talk to us about just you know taking back that whole idea yeah. of what good hair is. Yeah. So I think the name really was was very deliberate to say. This, this, this more than a venture is sort of like a movement where mm. we're pumping our fist sign. We're saying our hair is good mm. and it's really good. Mm. It's not just good because we're saying, hey, it's good, man. You have to believe it. Mm. It's really good, mm. you know? And I think, um, the name in itself again speaks to the very thing you're talking about, how we speak about our hair. The mm. moment we refer to our hair daily mm. as good hair, we start believing it. Mm. Have you realized how many beautiful women wear their natural hair these mm. days? It's, the, it's awesome. The locks, yeah, um, it's awesome. The, the, the braids, yeah. the tribal braids, everything. Thing. And I mean, even the weaves included, but we yeah. don't feel like a weave is mandatory anymore. Yeah. It's a like you can do it if you feel you like it. Yeah, you feel like it. it, it weave yeah. and relaxed hair used to be mandatory back in the day. Where yeah. if you don't have a weave or or, or your relaxed hair, um, you've got bad hair. Yeah. But today we we even mm. start to see ourselves appreciating the weave more because mm. we know it's a black woman just trying to be creative with her hair mm. versus a it's a black woman trying to survive. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think the name is really important. Yeah. And it's also just fun to play with because you know Beyonce song back yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly it is really fun to play with yeah. I love that and now just how does the how does the app actually work just if you can let us know yes because so now my sister is going to be like over the moon with this she's going to be like this is perfect yeah she has to so yeah. the app is something we're currently working on so yeah. currently what we have is a website that's okay. functional mm-hmm. um, you log on to www.good-hair.co.za mm-hmm. the process is very seamless just go click on start book Mm. And then you choose your hair fiber If you want us to bring fiber for you You choose the color, choose the hairstyle, choose date and time And voila, it's done Somebody shows up And I like your <laughs> goddess locks, I can see because you Because so I was much. trying yeah. did that. We're, go- we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> talk about it babe. We'll talk about it Now, Kheti, welcome back <laughs> Let's um, talk about yeah. I've, like, le- I've got a l- good learning lesson. You now. got a I'm good a, lesson. A, a lesson yeah. So now you know why with women it's a thing. thing Hair yeah. is like such a thing. It can make you feel happy or sad, and people don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, the I way your hair is that day like affects your whole week. Yeah, I know, now I know why it takes so long. There's politics involved. There, there. is politics. <laughs> it's quite a few things. Now l- let's talk a little bit about um, media schools. Your initiative. How is it that all started? Well, what the idea behind it is? Because I know that um, you know in in the media space generally, when brands want to target towards younger people, they either number one miss the mark, or there's certain laws in place where they can't actually actively go and market to people under a certain age. So sure. what is what is um, your um, company do? Um, so, school media. School ba- media, sorry. School media. So, we've got access to marketing rights in schools oh, uh, nice. across the country. Um, it's 9,400 schools. Wow. And then part of the revenue then goes back to schools to help uplift yeah. the schools. Yeah. Um, so, we utilize the school hallways um, to market. So, it's not really, um, how can I put it, like go down the road and buy 
a burger from whatever store, mm. you know. Um, it's more uh, inf- informative. Um, so it would be your ESCOM doing a safety campaign. Oh, okay. Um, or Adidas South Africa doing like a sports initiative. Yeah. Uh, Didn't com- you do com- something with goalposts in in yes in schools in schools yes yeah. we did something with yeah. gold posts in schools so it's branded soccer but branded soccer posts yeah. um, so that's an opportunity for brands so it's basically to get brands to create brand awareness and loyalty at an early age mm. giving that that opportunity and also at the same time developing the schools because part of the revenue goes mm. back to help uplift the schools to yeah. buy them wall clocks or anything they need garden yeah. tools etc. Uh, yeah. So what sort of schools do you target? Is it, is it schools of like a certain kind of LSM or is it schools across the range from, you know what I mean, from uh, perhaps rural schools into the more kind of upmarket schools? What, what's your range? So it's mainly the schools that we work in, it's township schools, okay. uh, townships across the country. That's nice, yeah. Um, because that's just where I felt the information is needed. Mm. Um, and uh, some of the suburb schools, I mean, the private schools, they've, they have enough funds. Um, mm. So it's not something that... They really need. It's mm. not a business model that works for them. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's that's, yeah. that's where we're at in township schools. Yeah. So, so basically, the core of it is outside of getting, um, say, brands into the schools and them giving the kind of information and advertising in inverted commas. It's also about once the revenue is generated, you also are able to give back into the schools. School, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's more. Of, it's more of a rental fee. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's more of a rental fee. So if an uh, department of uh, various departments that we work with um, they also it still contributes mm. although it's government and they sometimes say it's our schools and, and we say at the end of the day this platform wasn't there mm. uh, for you to market so mm. uh, to get your information across mm. because they a lot of organizations try and reach schools uh, but they aren't it never gets to like you're saying it misses the mark mm. um, or they think they can just send stuff to the school and it will get it will get around yeah. um, and which doesn't work so yeah. we actually have wall space like i was saying in the hallways in the corridors um and learners can see that every day so i mean um even if we have i mean one of the something that was content heavy that we did was for the castle of good hope and that was basically a timeline showing the history from the 1600s of south africa till the till 2016 and it just shows different highlights of what happened and different kings that i didn't even know about um that were that lived in south africa that actually had land in South Africa and mm. um, just b- the basic history that's not even in the curriculum. So yeah. with that being said, the Department of Education was like, actually, we don't even have this in our, half of this in our curriculum. So we were actually working with them to get that into. Wow, um, that's it. amazing. That's amazing because I also love that because that's like telling st- African stories that are, because, you know, yeah. as Africans, like, the way that we share our stories is kind of through oral history. Yeah. Then, and so now it's great that it's going to actually be documented, you know? 100% in yeah. textbooks because that's in where text- it will yeah. live forever. I mean, yeah. the narrative. Yeah. So it's just changing the narrative. Yeah. Of the our history yeah. that we didn't actually know about. Yeah, and I think also just the power of um getting it into textbooks because some people may say just get it into like digital formats or whatever, which is great. But Good, in yeah. schools, you know, so many times before it, when you look at countries like South Africa or um even perhaps like in the states and everything where the black people had been oppressed or that sort of thing, their history was so 
like it was eradicated the good part of the history was so eradicated or told from one dimension so you had this one narrative um chimamanda ngozi adichie actually does that TED talk where she talks the talks about the danger of the one narrative so mm-hmm. i like this because it's it's great because once as a child regardless of race you can go sure. in and you can see stories of other people and get the mm-hmm. entire story in schools School, yeah. it 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 changes your mind as well you That's know true. Yeah. And, and it's there every day um, yeah. you know so um on that mural whether you first day you're going to see it it's nice. you're going to be like okay it's there yeah the next time you're going to walk past it the fourth time you'll walk past it and say okay actually it's let there. me have a yeah. read about this and then you actually find out oh this is when the gold rush yeah. actually started oh it's this amazing. is when this there was actually yeah. someone called Kratoa, yeah. you know one of the first yeah. colored uh, uh we call it colored now but yeah. women um so yeah. it's uh, it's quite it's quite interesting wow. and young people are learning that whether you're in primary school 7 to 13 or you're in high school 14 to 19 or yeah. 18 so now, are you guys looking at pushing both of these initiatives into the rest of the continent? Sorry, I'm an East African girl, so now I have to speak for everybody, you know? Because I think it's like from the perspective of, of telling those stories, because in other countries, although they may not have had kind of the oppressive role like that happened sure. in South Africa, it's still because people spoke in oral history, a lot of stuff was lost. So all that's happening in Timbuktu, where I think half of the books have been taken out of the libraries and they're no longer there. Or in Sudan, where you've seen a lot of the, um, how do I say, the the... Like all the, the the cultural stuff, like the oh gosh, it's left me. Like the you know, all the history has been taken out of Sudan as well, in the middle of all that's been going on. So people will go to galleries, um, internationally, and then they'll be like, oh, that that piece of art actually is about this place from my place, you know. So is this something that should maybe look at expanding into the rest of the continent at all? Well, I'm yep. saying I'm actually just I'm asking you, but I'm actually yes. asking you if you would do it. <laughs> yes, no, well. It, Definitely, we've got access to, like I was saying earlier, 9,000 schools. Yeah. Um, that's quite a big job for us at the yeah. moment. And um, expanding into Africa, it's just, like you're saying, we, with the history, it all depends on the clients that we have. And mm. um, yes, some of our clients want to be in, in African countries, but it's mm. not currently their focus. Yeah. Um, so sure. we mainly it's we get direction from our mm. clients. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to hook you up with a few African prisoners. Don't worry. I'm going to make it a mission. I'll make friends with a certain president from Rwanda and then we're going to talk. (laughs) No, definitely. But it is something that we are working on um, to work in Africa. I I don't understand. Like, I think that even like with the African Union and stuff like that, that's what frustrates me. I feel like with people like the African Union, be it ECOWAS, blah, 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 while they're busy taking all this money from China, why don't they do something, you know, like something Mm. that speaks to history and culture and, and, you know, and to telling our stories and shaping, you know, people's minds in a different way so I'm sorry I'm overly like now my mind is going Going, I don't actually know this president but in my head we're friends so in my head I'll hook you up with him in my mind (laughs) so if you ever see me me talk to him then just be like Lee I see that you're sitting with us say yes 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 don't worry I say oh so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now the the whole good hair um um initiative taking that into Africa I think would be amazing amazing you know um and also, of course because I guess you can use stylists from those different countries that's something that you're looking at absolutely. I actually think that this could also be something that's global absolutely so the vision of good hair is a global vision and mm. the reason we say this is one of the co-founders Sandy Siwayengeni mm. um, was actually a student in in um, Prague mm. and wow. do you know her hair story um, <gasps> listen 
I know of Sorry <laughs> But listen I know of like Friends of mine Who go to Like countries That are not traditionally black Do you yeah. know the drama Of getting your head Absolutely. done And then the expense Yeah The expense it's And the like, drama So Sina would literally <laughs> um, Come to South Africa Do her hair And she's like Girl yeah. I have to take care Of this hair For the next two Three months Yeah And you have to find a way To wash braids And like try yeah. new things And braid braids On top of yeah. you know, Because you just need To survive But at the same time Even leaving your afro It needs some care It needs yeah. some nourishment She's got an afro So I think for us We truly understand That this is sort of Like a global mission mm. When you go to Especially when Africans Go to um, you know The West Oftentimes they go there As, ex- mm. as experts They go there as students Who are mm. fully funded And really don't want To go through the discomfort Of having to You know Hunt for a hair mm. salon Just to do their hair So this really makes sense um, mm. Across Africa mm. um, It makes sense In Europe In America uh, yeah. In Asia Everywhere in the world It's just a matter of I guess um, We three young women Trying to you know Make this you got, work, It's going to be awesome Trying to get yeah. some funding Trying to get all of that So we yeah. need all the support We can get to really make this An African success Yeah I mean it's like Even when you're speaking About that um, I, I, It's going to look like She's paid me But she hasn't <laughs> Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie In her book Americana She has her. that Yeah I love her too So she's got this um, the, the scene where The lead I, th- I think it's Efe Ofiem Efe Is it Efe or, or What's her name again Elefemu Efe Ah Oh, I can't remember And I've read that book Like three times So anyway So she's in the States And she literally Describes the experience Of going to And what she says Is an African hair salon And there's a Senegalese woman And then they're busy Eating food And then this And then you know People are worried About people coming in And and all of this stuff Because a lot of people Aren't there (laughs) legally So it's this whole thing And then the cost Of doing it there Like just that whole thing It just makes me think That even like in the States Because a lot of people Think in the States It should be easy to do Africa. It's like no it's not Because the hair textures Are actually different Absolutely. the right. African hair te- textures and North American hair textures are actually different because they have a quite a lot of them have a mix although they yeah. you know they may not ag- agree with it but a lot of them do and even just stuff like braids costs a lot of money they do braids forelocks all of that stuff in the states costs a lot of money so somebody can go you can go there to be and it'll be like three hundred dollars it's yeah. like for what but also <laughs> have you thought about a traveling woman like someone who literally yeah. travels a lot if you travel a lot the last thing you know is which salon is the bestest doing hair. exactly you don't so even have time you know yeah. that there's this um entity mm. that you can trust yeah. with your hair regardless of where you yeah. go then you sort it yeah yeah no, cool. Guys, That's I'm. Katie's cool. <laughs> like, wow, this is stuff I never knew. And his entrepreneur mind is like, I really should have thought of this first. Like, why didn't I see? Women have the buying, the buying power, I'm telling you. Yeah, for real, for real. True. Yeah. Women and children. Women and children. Oh, look at the way you threw that in. Very nice. Guys, just in closing, thank you so much for being here. It's been an excellent conversation. I really just think that the work that you're doing is amazing and it's dynamic and everything. And I'm very sure that I'll be turning on like different TV screens like global broadcasting there you guys will be like speaking and like you know and all of that stuff what are your future hopes and aspirations for yourselves individually and then for the continent as a whole in closing um, so for myself, um, I always say whatever efforts I make daily are always directed towards a not only a surviving Africa, but a thriving Africa. Nice. I think we need to start thinking about Africa just beyond surviving and beyond, you know, freedom and beyond, oh, how can we decolonize ourselves? I think mm. I'm starting to see necessary conversations happening and I'm starting to believe that actually we're becoming decolonized. Look at the hair issue, for example. So I think now young people and young entrepreneurs today need to start thinking about actually how can we take 
Africa to the next mm. level where we are the leaders of the mm. world. So yes. that for me is my dream for Africa. And my dream for myself is just to be a part of a thriving Africa, yeah. really. Just Amazing. be happy, just be kind to people and really just contribute however way I can. Yeah. And for Global Shapers to be there as well in this thriving Africa. Definitely. Definitely. And of course, not have any incidents at the airport, but that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Katie, and for you. Sure. So, I mean, for, for me, um, just on my work uh, side, it's that we developed the uh, app. So mm. it's mainly getting that working and schools using that, uh, all 9,000 schools using it nice. as a communication tools to communicate to parents and learners. Mm. Um, so that's really what I want to see and just maybe being in the digital side on mm. time. And then for, I mean, I guess with... I don't see any downfall. I mean, young people at the moment in Africa are doing amazing things. Mm. And uh, we feel the responsibility of improving um, the state of Africa. Yeah. And um, I guess I'm surrounded by people like Liz. Yeah. And I I've always see that the continent is in good hands. Yeah. And uh, I don't think uh, young people are going to let let us down. Um, we we're not going to let our, ourselves down mm. uh, because we've been let down uh, so many times, as um, Paleso was saying, being colonized and all of that. Mm. So, being decolonized and um, is something that's currently happening. Yeah, yeah, I love and it. the strength of young people. I guess uh, yeah. that's what I believe in. I think for me, it's again a thriving Africa. Yeah. We just want an Africa where we have our own entrepreneurs, mm. where we process our own food, mm. where we process our own minerals, mm. where we own land, where we where we truly can enjoy living without suffering. Mm. The one thing I was part of a student society called Babidiba Tax when I was in varsity, mm. and one day we had a task of coming up with a logo for Africa for something that resonates with Africa. And the one main logo that came up was an old woman carrying a bucket on her head, um, carrying mm. a baby in the back. And I really, really contested that like relentlessly. Mm. I said, this cannot be, this cannot continue the image. to be, it can't be the brand identity. Image. Yeah, it's not right, you know, yeah. I think we need to start looking at an Africa where a beautiful black relentless woman like Viola Davis or mm. like Winnie Matikizela Mandela, rest mm. in peace, can actually stand up and say, I'm an African and we believe that that is what an African woman looks mm. like. No, powerful woman, mm. relentless woman, passionate woman, successful woman and a woman who is truly happy because mm. we have been um, you know glamorizing and glorifying pain and suffering for way too long for and too I long yeah. yeah definitely yeah. sure and you Kitty? sure no I'm uh, I think Liz has <laughs> she, I said I love I love what she said I mean, <laughs> You're like the guy who got invited to a girl's hangout and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I'm like, yeah, I was I mean, going to say this, but <laughs> no, she's, I mean, it's, it's true what you say. Yeah. And uh, I guess um, speaking about the perception of Africa and the brand um, mm. of, of how we see Africa, it's really important. And I guess it's something that we will be discussing with young people in May at the Shape Africa yeah. conference. That's awesome. So finish the sentence. When I think Africa state of mind, I think. Prosperity. And I think Africa's state of mind, I see well-off Africans mm. and not a woman with a, a bucket on her head and a baby on her back. <laughs> but um, I see success yeah. and um, many job people without, well, many jobs created yeah. and people uh, not stressing or struggling. Yeah. 
um, yeah, the struggle for Africa yeah. to be finished and a peaceful Africa. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Actually, I was watching something about uh, Martin Luther King's anniversary, and they said one of the things that happened that he was working on when he died was he was trying to work on a what you would now call an Occupy DC, but basically they'd spoken to Hispanic people um, or, or Latinos, however you want to, but spoken to the Hispanic community, um, black woman, black, I mean wh- white woman as well, African American woman, and all of that, and the whole idea was that they were all going to go and occupy uh, Washington DC and get there by any means necessary be it a milk truck or whatever the case may be and they were going to sit there and they were going to say we do not have any we do not have any money we are not doing well financially and we don't have the right job opportunities and you put us in this position we're not leaving until you do it so when I heard that this morning I was like wow that's such a Mm. thing for Africa as well I feel that a lot of the things that have been happening that are happening in the continent because I'm like you Liz I feel that whole thing about it's one thing to talk about decolonizing but I also feel that we need to bring it back to African leaders and be like here and now what are we going to do that's going to be different you know and like young people need to in effect, occupy leadership, you know, in order for them to be like, this is the situation we're in, you know, we don't have this, we don't have that, and you need to make better policy decisions as an African president, you need to, and you know, any global organizations Africa's part of, you need to make better policy issues so that we don't continue struggling and this does not continue to be in our narrative. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you so Thanks, much for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Africa State of Mind. I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy putting it together for you. And once again, a big shout out to all of the amazing people um, from around the amazing continent of Africa, uh, you know, who are really doing their part with regards to changing the narrative. Don't forget that you can interact with us um, on our Twitter handle at Africa State Mind. You can also join the Africa State of Mind group on Facebook. And please remember to rate us um, on iTunes. Let us know how it is that you think that we're doing. And if you have any ideas for any guests or people from your particular country uh, within the continent of Africa that are really changing the narrative, please be sure to share it with us. That's all we have for time for today. My name is Lika Sumba, Africa State of Mind. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Africa State of Mind with Lika Sumba. Get it on iTunes now.